You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, big show for you today. We've got Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com back into the studio. We're going to talk a little bit more about Corvette C8. We're going to talk about Tesla versus the 3 Series BMW, all the great testing and stuff that uh, that Edmunds is doing. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Continental. If you think of all the weird things that you find in cars, and I'm not just talking about French fries or melted crayons. I'm talking about live snakes, bizarre trinkets, stuff that really makes you wonder about folks. Well, another thing that'll make you wonder, but in a good way, are Continental belts. I bet you didn't know that they're OE and millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, and GM vehicles. And now Continental has launched their Multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. So it's Continental's OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, go to OETechnologySeries.com. And of course, CarCast is brought to you by Dodge. Enjoy summer at your speed, whether you're tearing up the streets in a Dodge Charger or enjoying summer with your friends in a seven-passenger Durango. Hurry in today for a great deal during the Dodge Summer Clearance event. All right, let's get started. That's the stuff. All cool. right. Thank you. Cool. We just- Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to CarCast. I am Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. Uh, Bill Goldberg is not going to be calling in today. He's very busy. He's got so much going on. But... Uh, uh, Look for us at uh, Roadkill Nights. Of course, he'll be back on the show next week. But, of course, remember Roadkill Nights, August 10th in Detroit. I think it's at the M1 Concourse. It's at the track up there. And uh, we're going to be doing CarCast Live up there. And I think we're going to be doing drag racing again this time. But instead of Hellcats, because they're too powerful for Richard Rawlings and he hits the wall, we're going to be driving Dodge Challenger 1320s. Um, of course, uh, CarCast is brought to you by Zybar for better engine performance, horsepower, fuel economy, and lower underhood temperatures. Zybar is an ultra-thin high-temperature coating that reduces radiant heat by 90%. So put Zybar on, take heat off. You can learn more at Zycoat.com. All right. We're very excited to welcome back to the studio Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com. Alistair was, uh, took a little break. This girl had a baby. And if you've watched Edmunds videos now, it's like car seat stuff and baby stuff. And, uh, and then you guys, uh, you and, uh, and your girl went back home to Europe and saw family and did the whole thing so we haven't seen you in a little while no i'm right i spent the last three weeks in a combination of the uk and france in UK the middle of france. a massive heat wave it's crazy yes how did uh how's the baby travel how long do you have to wait before you can put a baby on a plane two days apparently that's it that's it yeah oh uh but she is uh two and a half months old but if you if anybody tells you that babies don't like get jet lag they're lying they're lying three o'clock this morning <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just wanting to talk. Everyone on the plane must love that. Just wanting to talk. Yeah. <laughs> Just but, ready to go. Uh, it's all good. Okay. Well, it's good. Now you're going to have to do all these car events with uh, with your daughter. Exactly. Oh, to get- you brought her to Luft. You brought a Luft Kikult. I brought her to Luft Kikult. She's coming to Car Week. 
Oh yeah, well Monterey's great. Yeah, Monterey's yeah. great for that. Yeah, and you get little nice headphones about- for the track so it's not too loud. Exactly, and also what's nice turning up with a baby, everybody talks to you. It's like the yeah. best conversation. It's like being a celebrity. It's the best conversation ever. Yeah. Are you getting good, like car dad baby stuff in the mail? You know, like use these earplugs and here's the, <laughs> you know make sure you get the baby safe headphones and here's the car seats and yeah I'm getting into trouble for this domestically how much stuff is arriving but uh, I, she had a she's got a Porsche uh, Porsche baby race suit it's yeah. quite cute actually <laughs> that's they, fantastic it arrives in this little cardboard box that says this is my uh, my first Porsche race suit um, and it's like a set of pajamas and it's seventy dollars oh. But it's great. The yeah. quality's good, and but it's, Porsche it's race cool. with Porsche branding costs seven thousand dollars, probably. If you got, yeah. if you got a regular yeah. one, this thing's not very fireproof. But you know, <laughs> yeah, it's not very fireproof. Good because you shouldn't have your baby near fire anyway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, welcome back. There's Thank all you. kinds of stuff to uh, to talk about. Um, I know you were putting around Europe in a wonderful Volvo. <laughs> you see, this is this is my new life, isn't it? Is, uh, you went full from... dad right away. Although we've been testing Volvos here recently, we drove the S60. Uh, and then the the uh, the the SUV the, the XC90 the XC90 T8 hybrid yeah not a big fan of the hybrid system good vehicle yeah. overall um, and they're about to give it a little tweak as well for, for yeah. the next model year but it's uh, yeah I mean I think Volvo I remember growing up in 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 Europe and a kind of Volvos were what you what the kind of like middle class mom ended up in because it was seen as super safe and super angular and. And now I just think they're doing a great job of hanging on to those kind of virtues of safety and comfort. And I was at the launch of the the original tech launch of the XC90, and it's got, the guy stood up and said, "We're going to build something that is big, comfortable, and safe, and mm-hmm. great for families." Yeah, and it was just so refreshing for people not to talk about the Nurburgring. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like this is a big, comfy SUV that'd be super safe for your families and really nice. And yeah, it's like that's great. I don't know, just some of the some of the the testing, like I. I I get the benchmarking of the numbers and that whole thing, but the whole like driving through the canyons and telling me about the understeer and the oversteer, who cares? Well, we've got a BMW X7 in on, on, yeah. on test at the moment, which is – and everybody's telling me like, this. Is, we had it down our test track yesterday. I said it's, it's fantastic, the ride and the handling yeah. and the, the agility and everything else. But it's also a bit like you've got seven – you know, seven seats, seven, seven, all, the, all those kids in the car, you're really going to start throwing it around? Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's weird because it's like it has to have BMW DNA, but also like what's it used for, right? As and, car journalists, we always get accused of this kind of, oh, well, all you care about is understeering your, you know, yeah. your Lincoln Navigator. <laughs> and sometimes we try things, thinking that we love the engineering integrity and the fact that he does all that stuff, but... Yeah, really? like we we drive the Lincoln Navigator. We did the black label. Uh, we took it to Monterey last year. We're taking it again this year, and we came back and 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 I just like things like understeer and all that stuff didn't even occur to us. We're like, this is a great road trip vehicle. Yeah. There's plenty of room. It has heated and cooled seats and massaging. It has this fantastic audio system, and everyone was comfortable in the back. And it's just like, yeah, it's a great road trip yeah. vehicle. I and and. Uh, uh, we were trying to find another road trip vehicle, and then I got the call from from uh, from Ford, and they said, "Hey, we got another Navigator Black Label. If you want to use it," and we said, "Yeah, that'd be fantastic." And I called Adam. He's like, "That's the best news I've heard all day." He's like, "That's the greatest road trip vehicle it out is. there." Because what we could do is, is we we load up uh, myself and Adam, and then producer Chris and Adam's kid Sonny. We all jump in there, but with all the gear. 
you know, we just got a, the whole back of that truck is full of stuff. And then we get up to Monterey and then our guys in the shop, we have two guys that take the truck and trailer and tow the race car up there. But once we get up there, we unload the navigator, pop the other two back seats, and then those two guys that took the dually up there can ride with us so we can go to the Quail and go to Pebble. Yeah, it's, it's a and great... now we got everybody in one vehicle. What I like about the navigator, I was up in Detroit uh, uh, just before I went to Europe. What I like about it, it feels like the sort of thing that Lincoln should be doing. Yeah. It's, a, it's very American. It's very big. It's very comfortable. Yeah. It just it just works. You're right. It's a long distance tool. I mean, yeah, they're a load of money, eighty thousand dollars plus. But yeah. as a the one they're sending us, I think is ninety six thousand yeah. bucks. But it's a Lincoln Navigator black label. Yeah. every option and the concierge service that you get if you're an owner. Yeah, and it's big. Stuff. You can yeah. get real adults in. You know, there's plenty of leg. I know legroom doesn't matter to you too much, but it, you know, if, <laughs> not if you, to me personally. If, if you care about it, then there's, there's plenty <laughs> yeah. there. It's a yeah. no, it's a great vehicle. In Europe, I actually had a, a Volvo uh, V90 cross country. Which is a vehicle that nobody really buys. It's it's a wagon with that little bit yes. of raised raised ground clearance, but super comfortable, super stylish. I, I got a thing just with just a nice thing. I got a thing with the wagons, right? It's just like I don't know. It's still a wagon. Every automotive journalist loves wagons, and I just don't really get it. And I, you know, people are like, oh, it it does all the utility of an SUV, but it handles like the sedan. I'm like, eh. yeah. But the SUVs we have now kind of handle like the sedans anyway, That's right? That's true. And actually, if you look at where what SUVs are now, I mean, you raise, you know, the difference in ride height yeah. is not that great. And what I like about it is just that it's different. You know, you drive around LA or, or okay, any pretty much. It's different now. Everybody's in an SUV. The th- cool thing about a wagon or something just shows that, you know, you're a man of discerning taste. Yeah, it's it, That's what I thought. This is the thing about auto journalists in the wagon. The wagons are kind of goofy. It's and also the residual values and everything else. The only thing I would say is you get great deals on them. You, you look at Volvo yeah, at the moment offering $15,000 off. Yeah, but you think about it, $15,000 off one of these. Well, you, you get $30,000 off an NSX. Off. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a different story. <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> there's some crazy deals out there at the moment. There's two. Yeah. I mean, interesting looking at the market. There's... We reckon they're going to. We reckon they'll still sell about sixteen point eight million vehicles, cars and new cars in the UK in the US this this year. Um, but there's a lot of inventory out there. There's a lot of great deals to be had at the moment. What? Why is that? Is the overall new car market down in the US right now, or are we just not buying as many cars? It, or are we holding on to our cars a little bit longer? It's still at. It's still at record. I mean, it's still at very high levels. If you think we were a few years ago, there's still a huge. You know, the market is still buoyant. You know, the economy is do- the economy is doing well. Is that, a, that an alarm going off somewhere? Um, the economy is doing well. Interest rates are still pretty competitive, and everything else. So, there's a lot of lease vehicles coming back o- back onto the market. So the market's been flooded with with basically, you know, used vehicles, but in, but in great condition. So that's a fi- that's impacting things, um, but also. The industry as a whole is a real oil tanker. So everybody builds these vehicles with a view to selling them. If there's a downturn in the market or certain vehicles aren't selling and others are, then it has this big impact and you end up with, with vehicles set on, set on parking lots. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, how do you shift them? Well, the way to shift them is big incentives, money off, big promotions. You want an outgoing Corvette at the moment? There's some fantastic deals to be Yeah, had. I want to talk about the Corvette as well. I mean, we've hit it a few times on this show, but I, guys, I want to get your thoughts on it as well. First, let me tell you guys about Geico. You've heard this before. Everybody's got a to-do list. You drop off some dry cleaning, maybe pick up some milk. 
Now you can add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list, and you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. Just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to do you can do today. Go to Geico.com. So I went to the uh, to the Corvette uh, C8 uh, unveiling. Yeah. Um, uh, I went down there with Brad Fanshawe from Shift and Steer. Uh, a thousand people were there, and then they did, I guess, two more of those events, like f- not with as much flair, but uh, it's a big deal for 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 Chevrolet. It's a big deal for GM. It's a big deal for the Corvette brand. Uh, you know, and we kind of got in a lot to the specs and the 495 horse and the structural integrity and that backbone they built so it's easier to get in and out of and all that stuff. And, yeah, a lot of people – look, everyone's going to have opinions about – of what they think of it now just based on the photos and things. It looks like an NSX. It looks like a Ferrari. Yeah. Ferrari you know. 430 for me. Yeah. As soon as and, I saw it, I thought that's an F430. Yeah. yeah. And then you go. So it's it's, it's good. And, uh, you know, I guess a few other things that, that came up since then um, in sort of post-interviews with some people were uh, why have the pushrod engine in it? Um, one, it's sort of very American. This yeah. makes it more of an American sports car than it does a super exotic. Two, it could be packaging. If you did dual overhead cams, it gets very wide. And, yeah. and maybe, although it's not a small car, it's a big car. It's 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 bigger than an NSX. It's bigger than a Cayman. It's bigger than most mid-engine cars, but it's got more storage. Yeah. You know, it's got a the, quite a bit of room in the back. Um, and then... Uh, you know why no manual transmission and part of the infrastructure you know that they put in there that that aluminum chassis that they have and it has that backbone and they they talk quite a bit about why no carbon fiber monocoque tub yeah as one for very sixty thousand dollars yeah, yeah that's the thing I mean, that's the, the reason tub alone would cost sixty thousand. I mean, for me, that was the big. I, I was actually in Europe when it when it was announced, and and Carlos from Carlos Logo from Edmonds went went, went down there, and you can uh, our film on it has gone gone crazy. I mean, there's so much interest in that car. I think we yeah. had four hundred thousand views in like twenty four hours or forty eight hours. Yeah, or something. It's, it's cool though. It's cool. It car, is really cool, and uh, it's uh, iconic for the Corvette brand to make. This and now show. it's mid engined and everything else. Yeah. I mean, the big takeaway for me is the price because we were looking, we were talking about it in the office before it was in failure, saying, "Well, you're getting mid engined you've got to have pretty much our guess five was horsepower." Yeah, and how do you bring it in? And if they brought it in at sixty, and you can genuinely get one that you know genuinely get it on the road for about sixty, I suspect most are going to be seventy plus. But yeah, you know they've done a fantastic job of because that's always been part of the Corvette's appeal, hasn't it? That that it's a, it's the it's the American everyman yeah. supercar. Yeah, uh, and I think they've if they can genuinely deliver that for sixty, well, that's an amazing job, and that's another reason why you've got the push rod. You know, so you're, you're compromising yeah. on certain things, but and no monocoque tub. Right, yeah, and because that's going to be a cost but issue. But even as Ferrari well. doesn't have monocoque tubs yet. Yeah, yeah. McLaren does, but they're, they're they're all you know you you hear competing views about the the relative benefits of of carbon tubs anyway. Very expensive, and, but and uh, that that aluminum backbone that goes through the middle and sort of separates the driver and passenger, which also explains why it has such a left and right cockpit feel to it. Yeah, and uh, and uh, the engineer over there was saying, look, if it was a manual transmission, we'd have to put a big hole in that in that backbone and. 
and we we figured out that we can't have a hole in that backbone because it does make a difference. So uh, there's not going to be manual. And then you brought up the the idea of maybe there's a future where they're going to fill that with some batteries, right? Because you have yeah. this backbone and you could do some sort of hybrid version in it. A lot of people have pointed out when we showed like the undercar stuff, they have like the cutaways of the car there, like plenty of room for uh, for a front differential, you know, um, so potentially that or electric motors or something along the lines of that. So why couldn't that evolve into sort of NSX territory? Mm. Right. If people want that from a Corvette, you know, yeah. I can see why GM would do something like that as a as a hero product. And, and you know, the the the, the Corvette is really it's it's Chevrolet's hero car, but it also means yeah. a huge amount to GM. Okay, so you you take a C8 Corvette, it's 495 horsepower, you get the Z51 package, you get the good tires and the good air on whatever, and now you have a car that's, let's call it 80 grand with all the bits on it, and it's 0 to 60 in under three seconds that they're claiming, let's say it's 2.9. Now they, let's say they want to do a ZR1 version. Yeah. Well, the ZR1 now is 755 horsepower, I yeah, believe. Yeah, more, more than the chassis can handle, right? that's for sure. So, I mean, nobody wants a mid-engine ZR1 with less than 755 horsepower, so it has to be somewhere between 760 and 780, right? How do, you, how do they go faster than 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds with that much power and rear engine, rear mid, and, and not all-wheel drive? Like, how is it? A lot of it's down. I, I mean, mean there's going to be a traction issue at some point, right? I mean, there McLaren, is. I mean, mid-engine McLaren's makes, doing a 720s is a powerful car. It's a rear wheel. Drive. Yeah, you They're can. I mean, work. obviously, if it's mid-engine, well, you've got that helps the traction enormously yeah. because the weight is where you want it to be. Um, I mean, a lot of this zero to sixty stuff now is just becoming. I mean, we put everything through our test track, and zero to sixty is almost now irrelevant. It's it's a it's a measure of traction and and tire technology yeah. and that sort of thing, but. You know, really, you've got to start talking zero to hundred quarter mile to at least then separate, you know, separate one from from yeah. the other. And it's, you know, they're also talking all season tires pulling pulling one G. We put everything through a, a, the, yeah. the, the, a circle to to test the um, the lateral loading and you know one G on all season tires. I mean, that's not only good for Chevrolet, but that just shows how how great the tires are. I think it's on Michelin's, isn't it? How just how great the Michelin's are yeah. to to. To pull that sort of loading, but you're right. Where does all this end up? And you know, I was looking at the new Lotus Hyper car with 2,000 yeah, what you, what PS, and I what was it 1,900 and something. And you know, I just I like if they can deliver a 495 horsepower car at 60 to 70 thousand dollars, or you know, a pretty competitive yeah. lease rate. That's really that's all right. The car Other than all the douchey the dealers are going to try to get some stupid markup. Yeah, Somebody initially. sent me a photo of. Of the Toyota Supra sticker, and it said fifty thousand dollars, and it said dealer markup fifty thousand dollars. Any any shithead that pays for that, I'm, don't pay for it. You're giving the dealer. You, there's no more of an idiot tax than that ever. There, it's, <laughs> I like that idiot tax. It's it's like they're <laughs> you're just giving them free money. Think what you could do with that fifty grand. It's free money. Do you really want it right now? Yeah, it's just not worth it. They're going to make plenty of them. You're telling me. You're telling me GM is making this huge investment in the Corvette so they can sell 3000 a year? No. Don't pay a dealer markup. And by the way, every one of them out – if you start paying for it, they're going to keep charging for it. Nobody pay a dealer markup and 
just let those cars sit on the lot until there's no more dealer markup. That's the way to fix this problem. Interestingly, in Europe, it's actually illegal. Dealers can only charge MSRP. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's interesting just the way the laws work. And yes. over here, I mean, if you look at what's in the market at the moment, uh, Cayman GT4 will probably have a uh, probably have a markup on it. Uh, GT500 definitely will. Uh, Supra. Supra is an interesting one because you're quite right. Toyota and, and BMW, which is, is, is what it's obviously based on. You know, give it a couple of years. There'll probably be deals to have in the super. That a lot of these things kind oh of burn God. out pretty. Some of these dealers pretty quickly. Some of these dealers charge a, a markup on a Toyota Tacoma. Like, but if people why? are willing to pay it, don't pay it. No one's willing to pay it. <laughs> Let's just figure that out right now. Don't pay it. You can still get what you want. Don't pay that the, stupid markup. I think the biggest challenge for the Corvette is if you're trying to justify this to your other half or something, is the fact that the passenger experience just feels so bad. Sad, you know, you, everything's focused on the driver. You everything's can't even focused oper- on the driver. You can't operate the screen. You can't really see what's going on. It's a pretty lonely, boring place to be in the passenger seat. <laughs> I, we, we looked at that too, and it was kind of interesting. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, you know. Yes, it, it is what it is. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. You know, I, I, we haven't really gotten into it yet. Haven't had a chance to drive it yet, and and uh, I'd love to see I'd love to see Edmund's test results on a car like that. It's probably not going to be as cool as my '95 Ford Lightning. No, obviously that I just bought, which is, I mean, it's the smartest move ever. <laughs> but. Uh, but I'm willing to I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah, give it a head to head. By the way, I think I'm going to go big on that truck. I wasn't going to, but I think I'm going to do like 600 horsepower. <laughs> I'll do like 427 small block, nice Ford, and uh, and just big horsepower, no traction in the rear at all, just period tires. That's it. And then, oh, well, I'm going to have to go with a, a much more modern, the most aggressive tire I can get on that thing. I just don't want to do the drag radio like Goldberg's got on all his Dodge cars because I like to, you know, I like to take turns. Yeah, you like you to know? go around corners. I like to go again. around corners and stuff, and I want to throw this truck around some corners. And uh, uh, I don't know, you know. But that's also it with classic racing cars at the moment. That because the tire yeah. technology, even though the tires look period, because the technology of the compounds, everything has moved on, and then that has massive ramifications for things like suspension and everything else because suddenly. You put sticky tires, and Goodwood's a great example. Goodwood Revival's coming up not too 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 yeah. too long, um, and you have you know old Lotus is going around faster than Jim Clark drove them, and you know oh yeah, guarantee it, that right. the guy, it's a tire thing. So <laughs> tire thing. Goodwood Revival is the vintage race. The Goodwood Festival of Speed is the hill climb. Yeah, and you're right. You go out there and you see like the Jags running. And you're like, I don't know, it's like a 195 series tire. It's so thin, and those guys are just sawing at the wheel. Right. That's like 18 inches in diameter because there's no power steering, and it's like 14 turns lock to lock, and they're just sawing at the wheel and sliding those Jags around. You're like, how is he getting any? at all on those old tires. You're like, no, the tires are way modern yeah. now. There is so much cheating in classic so racing much now. Cheating. <laughs> you say no power steering, I know a lot of people yeah, little electric systems. A little bit, and it, just yeah. a little bit of help. Yeah, and, and quick ratio boxes. They yeah. take the steering boxes and just rebuild them to quick ratio, and they're like, no, that's an original box. It says Jaguar. It got stamped on it. Jaguar. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I don't know about that, which is funny because I'm taking some of those thoughts, taking some of that technology, and I'm putting that into my truck. It's a very sloppy. There's got to be, I don't know, two or three inches of just slop in the steering wheel before yeah. it even starts but to turn. But that's part of that kind of like Americana. It's part of yeah. the charm, period. But know? I want to tighten it all up, and I don't want like four and a half turns locked to lock. I want like two and a half turns locked to lock. Like I want to, I want to try to 
build up the steering system be more like an autocross truck. So it's, it's tight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to some friends about it. Talking to my buddy over at PH, PCH Rods. He does a bunch of those C10 uh, autocross trucks. Right. He's got the coolest ones out there. And I'm like, what are you What are you doing? He's like, oh, we can rebuild the boxes. We can make them quick ratio. We can modernize stuff. We could do rack and pinion. And, and I was like, all right, how many Ford Lightnings have you done? He's like, you'd be the first. <laughs> I was like, even you guys work on a lot of trucks? He's like, yeah. And uh, so – I'm uh I'm gonna try to take it over there and see what he thinks. Very I gotta cool. get that thing dialed in. Gotta get the steering. Got a little bit lowered. It's gonna be nice. But anyway, old stuff. You guys don't do too much old stuff. We don't yeah. get too far. I mean, we have a big used. I mean, if you're interested in used cars, um, we have a huge. We have literally millions of used cars on the site. So, well worth a look for that. Um, tell me about uh what's going on with. Uh, these these sedans. I saw I saw on your guys's website you were putting up the uh, Model Three Tesla against the Three Series BMW, which is the go to luxury, you know, compact you know, sports compact sedan, yeah. sedan, right? Like, well, this yeah. this came about actually just as a conversation. We had a a three forty in, and then we had the three thirty in, and. You know, I remember growing up with three series. You're right. That was going back to the in the 80s. It was the default little sports sedan that yeah. was great fun to drive. And they kind and, of they, they've earned a great reputation. Yeah. The three series has always been in the top marks for everybody. Like everybody's benchmark when making a small sedan is the three series, right? Every car company must yeah. buy four of those things and take them all apart and try to match it. In the same way that the 911 is in in, in the sports car yeah. world. And, yeah. and if you look at even how something like the Mercedes C-Class and Audi A4 has evolved over time, they've evolved to mimic the, the 3 Series. But we were just slightly disappointed with, with it. Just, it's a decent 3 Series. I mean, it's a BMW. There's a lot of sort of engineering integrity. The interior is nice and everything else. But the ride quality on the first one we had wasn't great. And we just thought, actually, how much how much fun is this now? It just where, feels. It's, where are we on the three series? Are we in the middle of its no its brand life new? Cycle? This is this is so, brand new. So there's a new three series is, that's the, out for twenty. This is yeah. This is this is a new new. Uh, I can't remember. This a twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, but it's new new. It's, okay. it, it's brand new. And these things are always gentle evolution. You know, when you sell as as many as they do of the three series, you can't take too many risks. But it was something we just got into and thought, is this as much fun as it used to be? And Carlos had the idea of, of going down a test track with our Model 3. And this is not the dual motor one. It's a, it's now a 18-month-old car with 20,000 miles on it. And we were quite shocked, actually, of how how good the Tesla felt relative to the, to the, to the 3 Series in terms of steering response, in terms of throttle response. And, you know, this Tesla... So just from a driver standpoint, just from, from, from like a, a driver, driver feedback standpoint, it, you guys it, like the... We, we kind of shocked ourselves, yeah, because, you know, you look at the 3 Series as being the, the benchmark and, you know, the world is moving on fast. And it's kind of a good, good thing because electric cars are, are on their way and that low center of gravity, you've got an awful lot more from an engineering perspective you can do to, to optimize things like ride and handling. And you know, the Tesla, the, it, it shocked us. Maybe it's a, it's a comment on where the 3 Series has, has gone, that it's trying to be a lot more things to a lot more people and... But you know, just from a driving perspective, we prefer the Model Three. So you guys, you guys, because you have the test track and and access to the vehicles, you can do what we can't even do here, and that's really kind of test or or get 
just our opinion of vehicles back to back. You guys can do it all in the same day. Do you start to really feel the difference between the battery being heavy and low in a three series and then you literally get out of that car, don't even take your helmet off, get into a three series and and go up against that? Yeah, I mean, it's, do you it's, start it's, to notice things like does the three series have a full tank of gas or not? Does, <laughs> do you start to feel the difference between that? Or yeah, not? you can do. I mean, we we it's interesting. A lot of people say to us, "Well, why do you use a test track and everything else? You know, these are these are sort of everyday cars that are driven on the road at twenty percent." Yeah. And I always compare it to a, you know, you get a home hi fi and it's got you know three thousand watts or whatever it is. And you think, well, actually, you only have it have it have it. On, <laughs> I can't speak this morning. You only ever have it on ten percent volume. But the reality is the quality at 10% volume is that much better because it's got all this capacity. That's true. Yeah. Um, and it's very much the same in the car. And actually by taking the test track and actually pushing things to the limit, we can learn an awful lot about the vehicles which are relevant to everyday driving to understand their handling in extremists. We can understand you know, exactly where the, the foibles are in the car in a way that you can't if you're just driving it on the road. So it's not about doing lap times. It's not about getting the, the V-Box systems out and looking at apex speeds and all the rest of it. It's really about how can we translate what we learn there into the real world for, for everybody else. And, you know, we drive all these vehicles not only on the track, but we have extensive road loops that try and replicate everyday driving. We live with them for a couple of weeks to go through a whole bunch of people in the office so i drove here in a corolla hybrid and i'm going home tonight in a in a mercedes g-wagon so we literally have everything coming through <laughs> and and this is this is a key part of the process and and it's interesting i've been involved in this game for 20 years now and i started auto car where we did um we did straight line testing and, and what current but not many people do anymore not many people actually put the resource into you know proper independent empirical testing and and we think that's absolutely critical to who and what we are and we invest heavily in it i mean a load of money in in making sure that that we can stand behind our our ratings and our results and we think it's really important to to basically delivering the best consumer advice yeah and by the way just as a reminder you guys go to edmunds.com slash road noise and you can catch up on a lot of this editorial stuff you can indeed. Uh, and edmunds.com for all your car shopping needs. Oh, wow. That's enough. I'm just going into this show anyway. I might as well throw another one in. <laughs> um, so you guys like the Model 3 more than the 3 Series in that regard. But what was doing it for you? Was it was it a better driver experience? Was it smoother? Was it more comfortable? Was it quicker? Like What, what was the standout features for you on the 3 Series and the, uh, oh. and the Tesla? I think the key thing is we're starting to get used to electric cars and that throttle response, that instantaneous, you know, thrust of torque that you get. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, Tesla, for a, for a company that's obsessed with self-driving, well, actually, the steering response and everything else is really is really good in that thing. So, yeah, it's it's a uh, you know these are really interesting times, and I know you and I were were talking off air about the the Taycan coming along and yeah, Porsche. Yeah, Porsche's just announced the you know the the entry level nine eleven, and then the which actually makes the Corvette look even better value. Um, and then the, what's the, the, what does the an entry level nine eleven cost? A hundred k. Yeah, for <laughs> under four hundred horsepower. I know yeah. it's not all about horsepower, but also that's a Porsche, so you can yeah. have ten fifteen thousand to, to to get one in the yeah, condition yeah, yeah. that you want it. Don't pay the markup, by the way. <laughs> actually interesting a little anecdote about that going back to what we we're saying about manual gearboxes i have it on pretty good authority that now 
in the old days, you had your manual, and then you paid extra for the the PDK or yeah, because it was way more complicated. Exactly. Now, because of the way, just the way that they build these things and the volumes that they build them in, there's actually no difference in price now on the on the new base nine eleven. If you want a manual or want a PDK, it's the same price. But I have a pretty good authority that it's now more expensive for Porsche to sell the manual just because they don't produce that many. So the business yeah, like model if, for a manual. If you're Porsche and you were buying, you know, buying a hundred thousand manual gearboxes, yeah. and now you buy four thousand of them, the price of them goes up per unit. And the other problem <laughs> they have is they have a different gearbox for the Cayman. Uh, they have a different, which is a six-speed. Then they have the 911 gearbox. Then they have a different box again for the GT cars. Yeah. So in the future, we'll probably see GT cars continuing with with manual boxes. But this is probably the last generation manual 911. So buy one while you can. Oh, man. It's a little sad. It is a little it's sad. It's a little sad. Um, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about some SUV testing that you guys have been doing as well. But uh, let me tell you guys about Zycoat. Heat is the enemy of speed. And our guys are over at Zyco. They create Zybar. It's a revolutionary high-temp coating. It dissipates heat and increases performance of manifolds, headers, exhaust, turbos, and intakes. Zybar coats the metal surface and doesn't allow it to absorb heat. We've had the guys in here before. We really got into the nitty-gritty on on how they make this stuff, and it's cool stuff. On an uncoated stock components, the hot gas heats up. It heats up the metal and increases back pressure in the exhaust, causing reduced engine performance. Zybar helps that. Zybar fixes that. Zybar increases horsepower and torque, reduces the metal surface and underhood temperatures. That's a big thing. Especially on an old Maserati. <laughs> uh, for our listeners here, uh, you guys can uh, uh, want to do it yourself. You can order uh, Zycoat. Uh, you can go to Zycoat.com. You can buy the Zybar products there. And uh, if you've got something, you don't have the sandblaster, you just want to send it in and get it done, they have their coating services. Zycoat will coat it for you. You just send in your parts. They'll turn it around in 15 days uh, and uh, – Thanks to you guys, um, they're just going off the charts. They're as busy as they can possibly be. They're running shifts day and night, and they still have not yet missed their 15-day turnaround. So uh, check them out. Go to Zycoat.com. So now (laughs) you guys were testing the Chevy Blazer and what else? And the Honda Passport. And the Honda Passport, right? So the Passport sits between the CRV and the Pilot in, in Honda's lineup. Does, so the Pilot's seven seats, the Passport is five. In, in terms of size of SUVs these days and sales, like CRV beats everything, right? CRV yeah. and Toyota RAV4. Yeah, the that, that ones. kind of what we call in the industry the compact SUV, that is just that is the, the market and leader. And then now. the next level is. Is. The three rows are actually partly because of some great new vehicles coming to the market, things like the Kia Telluride, that which which have actually yeah. that that market's had a real real boost recently. You know, sedans continue to to decline, um, so it's it's SUVs are where it's at. And when we can look at where people shop on our side, and we yeah. have all the data from what people are looking at, you know, it's just so SUV, SUV, SUV. In the small, medium, and large of SUVs, we're selling what mostly small. And then large, and then medium. Yeah, I mean, basically, your subcompact. So your your really little, your really little. You yeah, know, things like the Kia Soul. You know, they are really slow sellers in in, in the US because they're just frankly not big enough. Your Heartland market is CRV, Rav4, which are big vehicles now. Yeah, they're still pretty pretty big. Yeah, 
Then you get into things like the Passport, which are um, are bigger. I mean, particularly it's got a wide vehicle and Blazer. And then you're getting into your three-row SUVs, which are things like your your Honda Pilot and uh, Tellurides and a new Ford Explorer and things like that. And then you're sort of going up, and then you're into things like Navigators and stuff for the luxury end of the market. So, so the the Blazer and the uh, Passport, Passport, yeah, those would also compete with, I guess, size wise of like Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah, uh, in right. terms of yeah, probably like sense that's in terms the of size, size, and it's still a two row. It's not necessarily yeah. three row. It's now, a two now row. Jeep said they're going to do a three row, right? They're doing a Wagoneer or something. Yeah, they're yeah. bringing that nameplate pack. Um, so this isn't necessarily the best selling of of the no, SUV but market, still sell a lot. but it's a significant portion. And uh, I don't know, like the Blazer is interesting because, like, I like that they're bringing back that name. There's some. There's some. I don't know, something kind of fun and nostalgic about yep. bringing back that name. It's like when Ford went to the 500 and then they brought back the Taurus. And you're like, well, the Taurus was better seller than, than anything. Yeah, I don't know Bronco's it, coming back. Yeah, Bronco's coming back. It's like Top Gun, isn't it? You know, yeah. everything comes around again. <laughs> and, and, there's, and now they're doing baby Bronco. They're basically taking yeah. a, a, a Ford Escape and they're making it more square. And then that one I don't know about. That one I don't know if I love that idea. But, uh, but the idea of Bronco I do love. Uh, so Chevy comes out with Blazer again, and I'm like, oh, this could be kind of cool. And then they give it sort of a Camaro look. Yep. So now I'm thinking, oh, possibly a a performance SUV. Like maybe this could have something a little to compete with the AMGs and the Ms of the world, you know. Um, but more affordable and make a little bit more hmm. sense. Um, yeah, Camaro SUV, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you guys did some testing, and then I saw a tweet that you put up there, <laughs> and you were like, eh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was fairly blunt about that. Yeah. End, end of the day, I was pulling no punches. Yeah. You're like, it's kind of it's kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was uh, – I mean, Break it down. Why, what, what's going on? Is it just missing the mark? Was the expectation too high, but it's not a bad vehicle, or it's just not – Competing with the other vehicles. So you can watch this film on, on our site now or on the uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, if you just Google Edmunds Passport Blazer, it'll it'll pop up. And what we wanted to do was set this. Myself, as we talked about earlier, just had a, had a kid. And, and yeah. Jonathan on our team has just had a, a kid as well. And so we said, like, actually, if we're dads who enjoy driving what, but recognize that we now need practicality, something, you know, it's a bit more usable. Well, actually, the Blazer. Is there a cool, sporty yeah. SUV you guys can use? And the Passport, if you look at all the advertising for the Passport, what Honda's trying to pitch this at, it's got a bit more raised ground clearance. This is kind of fun adventure vehicle. So maybe you take it skiing or whatever it may be. And so that's kind of trying to appeal a little bit more masculine than the, the, the CRV. And the Blazer, particularly if you get the RS trim that we had, you're right, it looks like a Camaro. It looks fantastic. So we set out to say, okay, is this what is almost, you know, what's the cool dad's choice in a way? Not mm-hmm. being slightly ironic about ourselves, of course. And we were really disappointed. We, the Passport's a great car, but we were pretty disappointed with the, with, with the Blazer overall. It's just the, it just doesn't deliver on what it sets out to be. It isn't particularly fun to drive. And just some of the detail execution just, isn't really good enough. And we've seen this a bit from GM recently. And I hope that we don't see when we actually come to drive the, the Corvette is when you put a vehicle side by side like that and really start to sort of dig into the details, you re, you're actually real. I mean, just little things, for example, like you open the trunk and the 
the wheel arch intrusion in the in the blazer is huge and just isn't there in the passport so it's not as it's not as practical the there's lots of irritations around they've got these quite cool air vents inside or look cool where they sort of sit down by your knee but they don't work very well and yeah unless you got, want cold knees yeah, cold <laughs> knees, or or every time my knee kept hitting it when I was driving, it kept oh, turning the yeah, climate yeah. on and stuff. And if you watch the film, we go, we basically take it all the way through, and we we drive it on the road, we drive it on the track. We actually used our, our daughters as well, so we had the babies in the back. Yeah. And when you actually put vehicles side by side and work through it, you know, you, you it shows up one versus the other and some of the the, the problems. And the Blazer just feels like a really good idea that's just been pretty poorly executed and, and that's a real shame i think it's a missed opportunity it is i i think so too like i said i like the idea, idea that they're bringing back uh that brand you know the blazer brand and it had a kind of a cool look it does have a cool it does look have a cool it. look and that's and, the problem it looks like you think okay yeah. this is going to be a, a porsche mccann at a more affordable price exactly uh with a bit more practicality but the one we had rs starts in the mid 40s but by the time we got into spec that we we had our, our test vehicle $50,000. See, that's the part I don't get is I don't understand, you know, like once all the bailouts happened, you know, years ago, you know, companies like GM and who was the boss? Lutz? What was the guy's name? Uh, at the time, the bailout was... Who was the GM guy that was very outspoken and... and uh, uh, Rick, uh, no, that was for FCA. Um, I'm having a complete brain fade. Yeah. It'll come to me. Keep Is going. John Lutz? No, Bob Lutz, but Bob no, Lutz. Bob Lutz wasn't CEO. It'll, it'll come no, to me. but he was a very outspoken yeah. guy during that time. I don't know. And he was saying things like, he's like, oh, you know, like GM releases, you know, 13 different cars or whatever, some ridiculous number, 30 different vehicles a, a year we have out there. And, uh, but, you know, he's like, we only need like seven of them to really do well and, and we make money. And he's like, well, we can't do that anymore because- you know, after bailouts and things like that, it's just like everything has to be good now. And we talked about it here on our show. Like Adam and I talked about, like most things are pretty good now. Most of the yeah. cars are pretty good now. And I just don't get how some of these vehicles, I, I want to say, slip through the cracks. But how could there be so many? How can there? There can't be. Where's the checks and balances of something like this happening? You know, and and look. You're talking about a vehicle that's kind of missing the mark by comparison, but even there's just like small details, one little thing. Like, you know, I was driving the Aston Martin DB11. I've driven a couple of them now. Every time that car hits a bump, like on the 405, the AC vents flop down. There's no tension on them. There's no – you can't get them the same place, and you constantly have to move the AC vent. You're and like, when you live with it, it drives you insane. And it's it like – I, you get in it's the a car bit of a and it's first like world it's problem cool. in an like, Aston Martin, but like, I hear you. Yeah, but now you're going. Oh, what? What did somebody pay for this car? And and what? Like, why can't that work? You know. And it's funny because when you do get in the car and you do see a detail like that, like you get into the Jag, the XJ, and it's got the big aluminum round AC vent dial, and you grab yeah. it and you're like, "Ooh, feel the tension on that," and you can feel it's cold because it has real aluminum on it, and like it's smooth and it's got the right amount of tension on it. You get in the Aston Martin, you hit a bump, AC vents flop down. And you're like, "I'm yeah. starting to get hot." You don't even it's realize character. it. You're like, "What's going on?" <laughs> so that's just one little element of the car. But how does how does a company like Chevrolet and GM like kind of kind of miss the mark on on so many things in a single vehicle like the Blazer. It's also interesting because it's not 
every vehicle. You know, you look at something like the Bolt when it came out was a mm-hmm. was a was a great little car. I mean, be interesting to see how how the Ved is. The Camaro is a, a a good car. So it's not you know it's not just pointing a finger at GM and saying look your products aren't good enough. But and I'm not saying yeah it, it's, it's still, them. It's still, just like everybody kind of has one seems like but yeah it's it's interesting a few years ago i shot a documentary my before i joined edmunds i had a production company in london we i spent three years with the development team for focus rs and the films are still it was a tv show but the films are also on, on youtube and it was all about charting the development of the the focus rs from the germ of an idea through to the, the yeah. final press launch and it was fascinating because a lot of it also is that a lot of manufacturers don't necessarily have access to competitive vehicles. So as a as a member of the press, we can if we're doing a group test, we literally we'll ring up Honda and we'll ring up Chevy and we'll ring up whoever it may be, and and they have a press fleet and they provide us with a with a vehicle. So we have access to pretty much the whole. Well, we do have access to the whole market. Um, for manufacturers, it's actually more difficult because. Although they do share vehicles now and again, you don't get access to vehicles as quickly or in the same way. So actually understanding how other people are developing and where the benchmarks are is more difficult. I remember when Ford was developing the the GT and I'd driven a McLaren 675LT on the press launch and they yeah. couldn't get hold of one because McLaren aren't going to say, yeah, hey, yeah here right, you go. Right, because they're only available in the for, yeah. for the media first. Exactly. And then you know, you'll, you'll drive a C8 Corvette fairly soon but no one can buy it for a while so so it's not yeah and and it's so it's this is not to sort of big up the media at the expense of the industry i think you know a lot of people in the industry is absolutely amazing job but it's you're always trying to project ahead to what other people are doing so how far are people kind of moving the goalposts all the time yeah. and and you know, we saw that with the truck market as well when ram brought in the the 1500 they moved the bar so far that the Silverado was, you know, they GM just misjudged how much the market was going to move on, and even even Ram with things like the big screen inside, they expected that to, they expected to sell a handful of those, and it was more of a kind of image thing. But actually, that they're, they're selling far more than they ever imagined. Yeah. So sometimes you've just got to make a punt on where the market is is going to be and how much investment you need to do and how much technology and everything else. It's 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 hard to get right because everybody at the moment, you know, margins are tight. How do you continue to make money? And okay, it's, so it's, some a, of it, it's a difficult game. Some of it is a is a comparison issue, one car to another, but some of it is a quality issue, and and I I guess there's a lot of factors, but at some point down the chain, there's got to be some sort of quality assurance happening. You know, I get it. The designer sit there and he's like, the exterior is going to be kind of like this, and it finally gets approved. Then the interior designers are going in there. There's a bunch of team. One guy's just designing taillights. One yeah. guy's just designing AC vents. And it all has to sort of come together, right? And then they need to figure out who's who's going to build all this stuff. What are we going to build? What are we going to outsource? And, and where is it going to come from? And will it fit in the car? And now you don't really know the quality of the – you know, like you think you do. Yeah, like so- you, you spec it out. But you're right. Then you get floppy AC vents in an Aston Martin that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars because maybe Aston didn't make those. They got them from somebody and the supplier's dropping the ball. It's just like – And if Aston's not making – you know what does Toyota sell over the RAV for? Four hundred thousand vehicles a year. Yeah, 
So think of the sample size that you've got and the power that you've got of yeah. your suppliers and everything else. Aston's making, what, 6,000 cars overall a year? So you just don't, you know, it's more difficult because you just don't have the scale and you don't have the same buying power. And, and, and that, you're right, and that's the thing. And sometimes there's a mistake that's happened. And you've already committed either financially or something's being made. And you're like, we're going to have to just kind of live with it. And then we got to ride this for three years before we can yeah. do some sort of update or facelift. But it's a tough yeah. game. It's a the, tough the game. The car industry is a if, tough game. And, and the more that you get inside it and the more time you spend with it, you more realize just how yeah. difficult it is. And when people really deliver, then, you know, it's pretty impressive. But now you're playing in the high-volume game when you're, when you're Honda and you're GM and, you're, and you're, you're playing in this high-volume game. And people buy these vehicles because they it's, – it's funny because – the lesser expensive vehicles you buy so much based off of quality and the high end cars it's it's not it's brand recognition it's name it's style it's whatever it's like it's what it says about you it's yeah you're right. that's it it's just like you can get floppy vents in, a, in an Aston Martin and love that Aston Martin to death and it's going back to it's like the Tesla <laughs> thing. Know. I mean, we, you know, the quality issues with Tesla are well documented, not least by us. But people buy into what it says about them, and and that's yeah. why everybody gets, you know, that's why Tesla has. If you know, we put a lot of store at Edmunds behind consumer reviews, and consumer reviews for Tesla is nearly all positive because people want to justify their their purchase. Yeah, or it polarizes people, love it or hate it. But <laughs> well, it's, now when you when you call into their to their annual report, they just get. They just get like the Tesla community to speak on the phone instead no, of a, instead of journalists because they need people to say good things about world. it. Like no one's more of a fan of your Tesla Model Three versus Three Series review than I am because I like the idea of what Tesla is doing. I like that I want I, you know I want these cars to be good cars. I think the business model is weird, and I, I and I've said it a million times. This whole like you know crowdfunding to f- buy, pay for the cars and and also just they're just getting away with just hurting people and killing people with their autopilot and all the other stuff like well, I'm i don't going a bit <laughs> was like how are they beta testing on people when no other industry in the world's really allowed to do that but uh but there's uh, this big problem at the moment is nobody's buying the model s and the model x you know the expensive high margin cars it, are they really? Do you know what some of the numbers are? Like, where are it, Tesla sales these days? It's the problem. On S I mean, versus X uh, versus everybody. I mean, it's basically the market is Model Three. The problem with the S and the X is they haven't really evolved much, so there's not really a rationale for buying a new one. The product's a little bit stale, but you know, developing a new car in that 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 I, sector. I still market think theory. their S is the best looking car. Yeah, it's a nice looking thing, but I mean, that car, if you think about it, that, car's what ten years old now. Yeah, it's getting there. Yeah. Well, good for them for making it to 10. Exactly. (laughs) Let me tell you guys about Dodge. Summer's here, and the time is right to burn some rubber. Check it out in a a fast-paced Dodge Charger or an unstoppable Dodge Challenger. If you're feeling the heat, hurry into Dodge today for a great deal during the summer clearance event. Oh, man, what else is going on at Edmonds? I haven't seen you in a while. It's uh, all, all this baby stuff you're doing. <laughs> Jeez, you need to get over that. <laughs> what else? I mean, there is so there is so much going on. I mean, there's just so many. You used to look at the summer period because Europe shuts down. Everything else has been quiet. But we've got, you know, we've got an awful lot coming up. I mean, in like so obviously car weeks, car weeks coming up in yeah, the US in a couple of weeks. Up. Monterey, I'll be up there for that. 
Frankfurt Auto Show coming up in September. We've got the launch of the the Taycan we're going to. We've got, you know, we're on drive events. We have 38 people in our editorial team, and we're always flat out everywhere. You know, we have people all around the world get different things going on. Partly just because there's so many more models now, and, the, you know, the market's changing so fast, new technologies. It's a, it's a really exciting time, but it's a, a real tough time of transition. And when you look at the industry, how many people are shedding jobs at the moment and mm-hmm. – it's a it's it's a tough game, but it's a, it's an exciting one. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting because, like you know, for us in the summer, we go to a lot of events and the vintage racing events and things like that. And uh, there's still new cars being launched. C8 Corvette. We're doing this uh, Lincoln Corsair drive yep. in, in a month or so. But yeah, but then it's going to start ramping there. up, and then uh, I'll see you there. Then we're going to start. You know, then LA Auto Show is going to come around. Like for us, SEMA. Then LA Auto Show is yep. going to come around, and then. You know the auto shows again and and start. Yeah, and over. LA is going to be big this year, not least because Detroit moves from January to June, oh, June yeah. or July, July, July. Really? Can't it's June or July. One or two. It's moving to summer. Detroit, Detroit at in the in the freezing wastes of uh, yeah, I don't Michigan know why. is not happening. And I don't know why we still have PRI show like three or four weeks after. I've never been to PRI because it's in Indy and it's in December. Yeah. And these things are so expensive to put you know, on. It used to be in Florida or something. It was like, move PRI to L.A. Or at least move it to the summer. Yeah. You know, just move it around a little bit. Guys, uh, um, we have uh, a few more sets of tickets for Bristol. We got the NASCAR race at Bristol. I think the race is August 15th. 17th. 17th. August 17th. Uh, we're running out of time here, so this is what we want you to do. Uh, send us an email to carcastshow at gmail.com and uh, tell us why you want to go and uh, why you deserve to go. Well, I think I've got three more sets of tickets. Um, so uh, hit us up and let us know what you guys think, and then uh, we, we could be calling you afterwards. So you're going to go, and then we're going to call you guys. You're going to tell us about the trip that you had and – and why was it fun and and or not? Who knows? Maybe you had a terrible road trip out there. Maybe you weren't a Chevy That might be blazer. a better story. Yeah, maybe that's a better story. But uh, call us back with your stories. We're looking forward to that. Um, of course, you can find us. Uh, Goldberg and I are going to be at uh, Roadkill Nights, August 10th in Detroit. Um, I guess that's the week before Woodward Dream Cruise. Right? Uh, yeah, because that usually happens during Monterey Car Week. So we're going to yeah. be up there. We're going to be doing CarCast Live. I hope you guys come out and check that out. And then uh, uh, we're going to be wheels up going to Monterey Car Week. Uh, hopefully we'll see you there as well, Alistair. Um, we're going to be uh, we're gonna be at the racetrack uh, a little bit Thursday, a little bit Friday. Um, we'll be at the Quail Friday Uh Come to the track on Saturday, especially if you've only got like one day to do Monterey. If you're going to drive in, you don't want to stay out there and whatnot. Come to the track on Saturday. We'll have the Porsche 935 up there. Adam will be racing it. Come say hi. We usually do qualifying in the morning, race in the afternoon. And then uh, see Adam Carolla uh, is unprepared. There's a comedy show he's doing uh, uh, Saturday night. Uh, I'm sure to go to adamcrawler.com for all of that information, and then maybe we'll see you at Pebble on Sunday. But we're going to be around. We'll probably be swinging by the auctions as well. Um, and then uh, a couple of other events because we're we're not slowing down. We're going to be in Portland at the World of Speed Car Museum August 30th. 
And uh, I believe there's a car show going on, so come by, show us the cars you guys have. I think we might be judging some cars, and we're going to be interviewing Mario Andretti. Adam and I are doing oh. CarCast Live with Mario Andretti. Legend. Yes, it's going to be fantastic. And I can't wait to talk to him and have him go, all the drivers today, they're wussies. They got water bottles and air conditioning and whatever. Just like, it's just like they got all those electronics, and it's like we had to rough it back in the day. So uh, I did um, I did this uh, – documentary series on History Channel. I think it was last year during their car week, Cars That Made America. And they interviewed me and they're like, what do you think of this and what do you think of that? And I was like, oh, how about this? And like, we're looking for something a little more upbeat because they're like, I don't know, ask me about like electric cars or something. And uh, and I said, oh, okay, so yeah. And, I, and they're like, I was like, oh, so something more upbeat. They're like, they're like yeah, because we need to counter what Mario Andretti said because he was talking about racing and it was great. They talked about electric cars. He was like, you're never going to get me into one of those pieces of shit. <laughs> and they're just like, okay. And they're like, do you have any positive something positive to say? He's like, no, move on. <laughs> he, just, he just hated him. He's just like, no way. He was out. Hard pass for him on that. So uh, uh, August 30th, Mario Andretti come out to the world of speed and then we're going to be at SEMA and then the uh, the weekend of SEMA, the last weekend of SEMA. We're going to be screening our Shelby documentary at the Palms Hotel. Then we're going to have a big CarCast Live event, a car show at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and a CarCast event out there. It's going to be a big party. So um, lots going on. We'll get you more information as we get closer to that. Alistair, thank you so much for coming in. Guys, be sure to check out Edmunds.com for all the car shopping information. Go to Edmunds.com slash road noise for Alistair and his team, all the editorial stuff, all the videos and uh, and the testing results that they're doing over there. You can follow Alistair, Alistair Weaver on Twitter and Weavometer on Instagram. Love that. I love that. I love that he's Weavometer on, on Instagram. Follow him there. There's probably going to be baby photos. You can follow me on uh, at Motorator, and uh, and you can follow Goldberg. Boy, Goldberg's got a packed schedule, by the way. He's doing NCIS Los Angeles, so you, you can see new episodes of that. And then we fly to Detroit, and then he's going to go directly to Toronto to wrestle, I think, or he's doing something with WWE. And he's just nonstop. We're just taking red eyes. The only time he's able to fly and for our, for our Detroit stuff, we just it's got to be like 11 at night to 3 in the morning. Nice. That's it. It's just a lot. Um, and I think he's doing uh, Monday Night Raw ahead of time. So I think Monday, uh, maybe the 5th or something, uh, whatever that Monday is in, in August, 4th, 5th, somewhere around there. Uh-huh. Uh, I think he's going to do Monday Raw for the 5th. Um, yeah, I feel like it's going to be the 5th. So uh, check him out there as well. All right, I think that's it. Am I missing anything? I think we're good. Uh, so if you guys want those Bristol tickets, email show at gmail.com let us know why you should get the tickets and we'll get you the hookup all right guys thank you so much until next time keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel for the latest updates and call-in times follow the show on facebook twitter and instagram at carcast show if you'd like to write in fill out the form on carcastshow.com and don't forget to give us a nice rating on itunes CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com.
Hey guys, big show for you today. We've got Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com back into the studio. We're going to talk a little bit more about Corvette C8. We're going to talk about Tesla versus the 3 Series BMW, all the great testing and stuff that uh, that Edmunds is doing. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Continental. If you think of all the weird things that you find in cars, I'm not just talking about French fries or melted crayons. I'm talking about live snakes, bizarre trinkets, stuff that really makes you wonder about folks. Well, another thing that'll make you wonder, but in a good way, are Continental belts. I bet you didn't know that they're OE and millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, BMW, VW, and GM vehicles. And now Continental has launched their Multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. This is Continental's OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, go to OETechnologySeries.com. And, of course, CarCast is brought to you by Dodge. Enjoy summer at your speed, whether you're tearing up the streets in a Dodge Charger or enjoying summer with your friends in a seven-passenger Durango. Hurry in today for a great deal during the Dodge Summer Clearance event. All right, let's get started. That's the stuff. All right. Thank you. Cool.